Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Thank you for tuning into the Chris and Joe show presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum, and we're going to be breaking down the Giants' week one loss to the Dallas Cowboys in full depth, full length, not like Sunday's show where we give you those quick takes. We're going to go as deep as we can, pointing out the major key things that maybe you didn't notice or the things that you did notice, going a little bit deeper than that. But obviously, Giants ended up falling in this game, 35-17, to 17, at times looked very sloppy on defense, and a number of other things certainly need to be worked on, but there's some major headlines that did get generated for it, and the first obvious thing, which we talked about on Sunday, was regarding Saquon Barkley. He only had 15 touches, but was still able to muster up 139 yards from scrimmage. Now, as you would assume, because he's a captain and a, and a contributor, he, after the game, said, as a competitor, you want the ball in your hands, but you've got to trust the system. You've got to trust your teammates. That's what I do. I'm not going to question the calls. I believe the calls are right. So, Chris, I'm, I'm sure you're probably thinking the same thing that I am, and it's that he really needs to get more touches. As much as he wants to be a team player and stay positive about the game, he really needs to get some more looks. Yeah, definitely. You need your playmakers to make plays. Kind of cliche, but it's also really true and you know just 15 touches he got uh 19 total looks just between carries and targets in the passing game that's not enough for Barkley he should be closer to 25 or 30 on a game now whether those are carries or receptions that kind of comes down to the game plan and the flow of the game just the way this game played out I don't have a huge problem with the team limiting the carries just because they spent most of the game trying to play catch up. Barkley was so explosive on the ground, they probably could have given him more carries, but I also think they really should have given him more targets and more high quality targets, not just quick little dump offs and swing passes. But yeah, you know, I, I mentioned this a couple times on Sunday, get him down the field, get him running, make it so he only has to deal with one or two defenders and then you know, nothing but green grass in front of him, and he can put that 4-3 speed to use. Yeah, he's really too talented of a, of a receiver for him not to have gotten some more looks. Maybe putting him out in the slot, they didn't really get too creative with him in the passing game. And, you know, like you said, they were playing catch-up. It's understandable maybe not to get him as many rushes when you're trying to get yourself back into the game, but you would think you'd want the ball in the hands of your best player. But one thing that I kind of thought about this morning was that 
if you were a little bit more committed to the running game earlier on, maybe this game could have looked a little bit differently. And going forward, these other games could look a little bit differently because if you're running the ball on, on the ground and you're being effective in it, you can dominate time of possession that way. And I think this team is really built to do that with how good this offensive line is at run blocking and how talented Saquon Barkley is as a runner. Keep Dallas off the field or any offense off the field as much as possible. And maybe Dallas doesn't score five touchdowns because they don't have as many opportunities. I think that's at least the way they the way the Giants want to be able to play offense. I think they want to be a ball control offense, dominate the time of possession, uh, string together third down conversions, keep the chains moving, and just go on those long clock eating drives. The only problem with that is even without Odell Beckham, they are still also a big play offense. Saquon Barkley is not Ezekiel Elliott in that he is a less consistent runner. And I don't mean that as a knock on him at all, but it's just that where he has a little bit more Barry Sanders in him, where he will get a two-yard loss, but then break off a 20-yard run on the next play. He's not going to be constantly grinding out four, five, six-yard gains. And those explosive plays are great, but they also tend to kind of make your offensive possessions a little bit quicker than maybe the Giants would like. So I think they kind of need to just accept that they've got explosive weapons in Barkley and they've got another one in Evan Ingram and maybe play to that a little bit more. They can still play a safer ball control offense, but just accept that they're going to have some explosive plays and that's not a terrible thing. You already alluded to Evan Ingram, and I think it was his performance wasn't really talked about enough by a number of people, and the obvious reason is because the New York Giants were dominated, and a lot of people are talking about their woes defensively. But Evan Ingram yesterday looked very, very good. 11 catches for 116 yards in one touchdown. It really showed us a, a glimpse at what I think everyone expected Evan Ingram was capable of being once he was fully healthy, and he also displayed some improvements in his run blocking as well he was able to kind of trigger things and open things up for Barkley on on uh, some of his his longer runs did you did you notice that from Ingram as well oh definitely the that first big run by Barkley uh second and one 59 yards that was sprung by Evan Ingram he just came across like a snowplow and opened up a huge hole for Barkley and you know, for all the criticism that Ingram gets about his blocking, which I think a lot of it stems from his build and just the way he was used back at Old Miss. And those kinds of first impressions and preconceptions take a while to go away. But Ingram was actually not a bad blocker last year. He was one of the a very few, I, I want to say maybe a handful of tight ends to not blow a single block all of last year. He allowed one pressure in pass protection and was perfect on 126 run blocks. That's pretty good. And, you know, we know what he can do as a receiver. Right after that 59-yard run, the Giants hit him on, I believe it was just quick post route, pick up 11 yards. That's kind of almost exactly how he should be used. Yeah, yesterday we kind of got to see that that first glimpse and glimmer of Evan Ingram as the complete tight end that we really all hoped he would develop into. If he can keep improving in his run blocking, he is going to be an every down tight end, a complete threat for them because you don't really know what he's going to be doing. It's a lot harder to cover a guy who 
Um, you don't really know what he's out there to do. Make things confusing for them in in that sense. But again, Evan Ingram looked very, very good yesterday. And you can only really hope that he continues to take those strides going forward and continuing to improve. So we're going to be breaking this game down offensively and defensively. The things that stuck out to us once we got to take a look back at the tape um, and take another look back at it and break things down a little bit further. So going right into it offensively, what were some of the positives that, that you noticed, Chris, from this game? Well, I would say that the two we've already touched on, actually, we hit them pretty well. It's the Giants run blocking, getting the holes there for Saquon Barkley to exploit, and then Evan Ingram in the passing game. Those were the two things I came into the season thinking the Giants needed to have work to have an effective offense this year, and they did work. So to me, that's a good thing. Also, even though the Giants didn't have much to show for it, I did like what I saw, at least a little bit, from Eli Manning, especially when they did look down the field. They had a long pass on an escape to Cody Latimer, then another deep pass to Benny Fowler. Both of those were pretty, they were well thrown. They were hit the guys on the mark. Those were the kinds of things we kind of come to expect from Eli a couple years ago, and we haven't seen much of it the last couple years. It was nice to see for me. Yeah, the, the short passing game was very effective in this game, and um, I, I think that the, the one positive that does come with that is that this offense really is, and I understand you pointed out earlier that they can get those big explosive plays, but this passing offense is really more built and centered around getting those, you know, those 10 yard gains, the short yard gains, moving the sticks one step at a time. And we were able to see that Eli Manning had a relatively productive day throwing for over 300 yards. It was just a matter of some lack of efficiency on third down, which we're going to get to very shortly, but you, you can be relatively optimistic in how they were able to move the ball and use those, that plethora of uh, the plethora of offensive weapons that they have in this arsenal. That is not just Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram, uh, Benny Fowler, Cody Latimer, Sterling Shepard, and eventually when we have Golden Tate back and on the field. That really is what the offensive scheme is designed to do, is just get these guys, their offensive athletes, get them the ball quickly and in space, and hopefully with room in front of them to make something happen with the ball in their hands. That is easier and safer, both physically and just keeping the ball safe for the quarterback than basically the chuck and duck offense that we saw like at the end of Kevin Gilbride's tenure back in 2013. So the one major negative that really stuck out to me, and I, I assume you completely agree with me on this one, is that this team was just not effective on third down, especially in those third and short situations. I didn't even know the statistic when I, when I acknowledged this point. And when I went back and looked at it, it made me cringe even more. Two for 11, that's 18%. And I'm going to harp on, on this every single week if this continues to happen because I'm I am very basic and old school in, in my philosophy in that if you are not effective on third down, you are not going to win football games. You need to be the dominating force offensively and defensively on third down. And only converting 18% of those third downs, you're not going to be able to win football games like that. So... Even in the situations that were third and short, they were just not creating those opportunities. We saw a number of situations, two specifically, where Eli Manning 
faked a handoff and then tried to roll out and absolutely nothing was there and resulted in a intentional grounding play and then also a fumble from Eli Manning. So a little bit, I think, goes to the play calling, but also just overall not being effective in those areas. Yeah, yeah, that is the money down. Yeah, there is the growing belief that you should you make use of all four downs. You got to keep the chains moving, especially on third down. Uh, one way to avoid that is to really try to convert on first and second down and just not get to third down. But third downs are going to happen, and especially third and short, and you just need to get that done. You need to get the job done there. You can't let the offensive line get pushed backwards if you're going to try to run the ball, and running on third down is usually effective. But you know, even as well as the Giants were run blocking, we did see them stopped on short yardage a few times last night. There was the one right at the goal line where Saquon Barkley got stopped for a two-yard loss, and then, of course, <laughs> Dallas committed an unsportsmanlike penalty and just gave the yardage right back to the Giants, so thank you very much for that. But then the team had that weird play on second and short where they had Elijah Penny lined up as running back and Saquon Barkley lined up as an H-back, and they handed it to Penny, and yeah, the play calling got weird on third down, and then they just didn't execute, which are two things you really cannot happen. You cannot win football games like that. It's almost a, a tale of two different games when you look at how productive this offensive this offense was uh, on Sunday. 470 yards of total offense, which is incredible that they were able to put up that many yards, but it makes complete sense that they were only able to score 17 points because they didn't convert on third down. They didn't put themselves in those positions to score or put any points on the board or ended up settling for the one field goal that they ended up kicking. It, it, it's just it's frustrating as an offense if you can't take advantage of those opportunities and keep moving the ball downfield. Were there any other real negatives that stuck out to you, Chris? Mine, other than just the way the game is, went as a whole... Not right now. I saw some things, but I'm just I'm going to reserve judgment and see just how the next couple games play out. It's a fair way to approach it because it is only week one. Things can be corrected. Mistakes can be adjusted. And there's 15 other games to be played remaining in 2019. So there's plenty of time for them to get themselves together, collect themselves, readjust and fix those mistakes on the offensive side of the ball. So before we go right into talking about the defense, as always, we're going to take this very brief mid-show commercial break. Now, the last thing that we have on tap is breaking down how this game played out defensively, and there were obviously a lot of issues that came with it. 294 total yards of offense were allowed, almost 500 you can't win football games giving up that many yards. But before we end up talking about those negatives, there were some positive things that came from this game, Chris. And what was the first one that really really came to your mind? Well, it was the one we talked about Sunday, and that was the Giants just were stingy on the ground. The running game was supposed to power the Cowboys offense. Zeke Elliott just signed that massive $90 million contract and did next to nothing on the ground. You know, he had what, one 10-yard run, couple five-yard runs, but overall he averaged just over four yards a carry. And that's good work from this defense. 
against that offensive line with a running back like Elliott to basically make him a non-factor is a real positive. Certainly a major positive, especially for a team that has a very, very young defensive line. And I, I think we, when looking at this roster, you you would like to say on paper that it is built to be very, very effective in stopping the run. Um, and we actually got to see that in, in full development, in, in full light yesterday. Only 89 yards allowed on the ground as a full team. Um, just overall, though, when you're facing a guy like Ezekiel Elliott, holding him to not in an incredibly explosive day, not allowing any rushes longer than 10 yards to Ezekiel Elliott against this offensive line really is a major positive. Uh, another positive, though, was was something that you probably didn't notice, and that's a good thing, is that Janoris Jenkins was almost invisible. You couldn't acknowledge where he was on the field because he was doing an incredibly good job in coverage. That was the thing the Giants needed from their secondary, at least coming in. It was like, we all knew there was going to be a learning curve and there was going to be rookie moments and it would take the young players time to get up to speed. The Giants needed Jack Rabbit, Janoris Jenkins to be that number one elite corner. And he was really good Sunday night. You know, we were talking off air just before we started recording. I had to go and check the game book to make sure that Jenkins played every snap, and he did. He played 68 snaps, and other than him kind of rallying to make a tackle or coming downfield, coming downhill if he was in zone coverage, you didn't notice him. And for a cornerback, that is a very good thing. Yeah, really, really good that he was, wasn't was acknowledged. And you pointed out that before we started recording, you and I were talking about this. I thought he was hurt. I thought he wasn't playing in the game. I thought he was maybe a healthy scratch. Something went wrong. But I just straight up didn't notice him because he was doing a very, very good job in coverage, not allowing any any of those big plays. However, that did end up coming off the hands of some younger corners. And that's going to transition right cleanly into our first negative of the game. And I'm sure everyone who watched this game would acknowledge it was their negative of the game as well, was that passing defense their pass defense yesterday was just not effective they gave up an egregious amount of yards a lot of big chunk play, plays a lot of long touchdowns and more specifically if you go back and watch those big chunk plays they all came down, right down the middle of the field a number of those plays came in the middle of the field in wide open space relatively uncontested catches in most of those situations yeah i when will the Giants figure out how to cover a tight end? And when will they figure out how to cover Jason Witten? Uh, they have a Witten-shaped blind spot, and it has been there for, I don't know, two decades now? <laughs> I, I joked before the game that he must have had the Predators cloaking device, but it is frankly amazing that he continues to get lost in coverage, which has to be a credit to him and his route running and his just understanding of defenses and coverages. But it is still frustrating as hell to see. Yeah, extremely frustrating. And it seemed like that the way that this Dallas offense was able to produce these big passing plays, obviously they did stretch the field and throw the ball downfield at times. But if you look back at the game, there were a lot of instances where they were simple, short routes, you know, maybe a five to 10 yard route, a slant here and there, those kinds of things that led into the middle of the field, wide open receivers, no contested plays, no one trailing behind him in his back pocket, 
making things difficult for them. It must have really have been a case of mental error. I don't really think that this was a lack of talent, but when you have guys that are that wide open, it, it, most of the time is just because of a missed assignment. Somebody wasn't paying attention. Um, maybe somebody got the play call wrong. Any of those sort of things, those things need to be cleaned up because the middle of the field needs to be locked down at all times on passing downs. Yeah, definitely. You you can't, unless you are tr- playing to kill the clock, you can't just give up the middle of the field. Dallas did that at the end of the game, but they didn't have to worry. They were up by 25 points. They could afford to concede the middle of the field. The Giants could not. And to me, the concerning thing is that's what Antoine Bethea was supposed to be there for, to really tighten up the communication, make sure the calls were communicated with the other safeties, the other defensive backs on the field. There was communication back and forth with the Mike linebacker, and everybody was on the same page. And there were just too many instances where guys were obviously not on the same page. We saw a little bit of that in the preseason, yeah, especially the first game against the Jets. There were a couple plays that where you had the corners and Jabril Peppers just kind of holding their hands up like, what happened? Who was supposed to be where? That should have been cleaned up by now. So the other major liability is a very, very specific one, and it had both of us scratching our heads as far as why he was on the field in a lot of these situations. And that was Antonio Hamilton just being a major liability, not just in one-on-one man coverage situations, but I just did not see any willingness to make any tackles. He would get beat. There were a lot of situations where after he was beat, he was just not making any plays to sell out, take down his guy, um, making things difficult, not allowing any run after catch. And then for some reason, took off his gloves halfway through the game, and I think he thought that might have helped, but it very clearly did not. Um, but, you know, Antonio Hamilton, you, you just have to wonder why he was out there for so many plays against guys like Amari Cooper, and they weren't allowing these younger guys to get any looks, uh, any more looks. DeAndre Baker, you would have hoped, would have been on the field far more significantly. And in addition to that, no Julian Love all game, and very little Corey Ballantyne. Yeah, Julian Love had no snaps. The Giants somehow couldn't find a single defensive snap for him, which was curious to me. I would have thought they could have found a role as either a nickel safety, because they did use those packages some, a nickel corner. I would say Grant Haley, I thought, played fairly well. His name didn't get called a whole lot. I did see number 34 a few times, but never really any egregious failures around him. But even just pull Hamilton off the field and let Love get some snaps at outside corner. Valentine got on in the fourth quarter, but to me that was way too late. And I thought DeAndre Baker was going to be the Giants' starting corner and just just sit out there all game like the Giants did with Jackrabbit. But no, they just kept rotating him and Hamilton, and I don't know if that kind of prevented either one of them from getting into a groove or what, but it was curious decisions to say the least. I think I would have been a lot more content with the outcome, or content's not the best word, but I I wouldn't be as disgruntled or, or, or confused about the outcome of this game. If they had lost and allowed this many rushing yards or passing yards rather to 
the rookies that were out there, if they if they put Ballantyne, Julian Love, and DeAndre Baker out there and they gave up those yards, I think it would have been a little bit more okay with it because at least they're out there, they're developing, they're the future of this secondary. Antonio Hamilton is not. He's more of a special teams contributor. They need to next game if we come to a situation like this where he's not playing well and the pass defense is allowing up a ton of yards. They need to get these young guys in there sooner and they need to get them some more meaningful reps to expedite their development. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. DeAndre Baker did give up some big pass plays. But if you draft a guy in the first round, you trade it up out of the second round to draft him. You got to get him on the field. You got to trust him. The one thing I did see from Baker which is which was a little bit concerning was that when Dallas receivers were able to get a step on him he was not able to close the door he didn't he didn't seem to have that extra burst that extra gear to close the yard or two to get his hands up and break up the pass and this is one of those things that's just a little bit painful the Giants had three passes defensed all game Damon Harrison had two for the Lions last night. That is not a stat you want to see. A nose tackle should not have as many passes defense as your entire secondary. (laughs) Yeah, that really should not be the case. And I think another negative that goes in line with that in our last one is that there was no pass rush really generated much at all last night. And it it, kind of takes a knock off of the quality of play from the defensive line in the run game because they weren't really able to get in Dak's face. They weren't able to create any major pressures. Um, Relatively clean pocket for Dak Prescott, and that that really impacted his ability to make a lot of those throws. Yeah, and it seemed like as the game wore on, his pocket got cleaner, which is something you really, really don't want to see. You need your pass rush to basically act like your closer and get quarterbacks uncomfortable, force them to make mistakes, and then get them off your off the field you need them to create that disruption and get the ball out quick force the ball to come out maybe a little bit off target or a little sooner or something like something just to take some of the pressure off of the secondary and give the secondary more throws they can capitalize on say what you will about Warren Sapp he is right about one thing that the front end and the back end help each other And nobody was helping nobody last game. Yeah, it really is concerning that the pass rush was not a contributing factor in helping the secondary who was struggling all night. But one thing I will say, and it's obviously very, very early to start looking to the draft, this draft class coming up, I don't know how much you've looked into it, Chris. Um, I've looked at it just very, very briefly. Um, It's actually pretty littered with a lot of defensive um, linemen and edge rushers, specifically Chase Young from Ohio State and A.J. Apensa from Iowa. So if for whatever reason the Giants are picking in the top 10 again, they will have that opportunity to get a premier pass rusher and uh, build going forward. But this season, though, is where we're focused right now. And hopefully guys like O'Shane Zimenez and um, Lorenzo Carter are able to get themselves going and able to play at the potential that we're really expecting them to. Yeah, not every offensive line they face is going to be like Dallas's. There will be more opportunities against guys who are not all pros. Hopefully they'll be able to really find their groove, find their stride, and make an impact as pass rushers. 
the, the Giants definitely need that to happen. Also, maybe James Betcher could not get quite so cute with his coverages. I don't mind Lorenzo Carter covering a fullback because he's really good in space. He's really athletic. He should be able to cover a fullback. And that was actually one of the Giants' best coverage reps on the that one deep pass. I He knocked the ball away with his helmet, which was, I suppose, a nice moment of levity. But Marcus Golden probably should not be in coverage on a wide receiver just under any circumstances just something to think about going forward yeah there's going to be a lot to think about for Betcher and how they're going to correct these issues that were very prominent in week one but still like I said earlier plenty of time for them to get um recuperated and and prepared for their next game which is against the Bills uh one o'clock on Sunday uh, we'll be coming with you, coming to you with a preview episode on Thursday, but that is going to be it for our recap episode. Make sure you give us a rating, subscribe, give us some review, a little bit of feedback on what you think of the show and how things are going after our first week uh, involved with the Chris and Joe show. In addition to that, though, please follow our Twitter and our Instagram. That is at Big Blue View, and the Instagram is at Big underscore Blue underscore View. Thank you for tuning in, folks.